blessed this evening. Amen. Let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Father, what a blessed people we are, Lord. Lord, and we see darkness upon the people and gross darkness upon this age and this hour, yet we as a people that's experienced the light of your word. And Father, what a blessed people we are. Lord, we're not only blessed to be a people of the end time message, but Lord, we're blessed to be a part of this fellowship here. At evening like Tabernacle, we're blessed to have family here. We're blessed to have friends, Lord. We're blessed to have a comparable ministry, Lord. We're blessed beyond measure, Father. Truly, you have blessed each and every one that is present, Lord, here tonight and those on the stream. God, we're so thankful. And Lord, we don't want to take for granted the blessings that you bestowed upon us. For you tell us that, Lord, daily you will load us with benefits. And, Lord, what the benefits of being a Christian, a real believer. Lord God, how we thank you today. How we thank you, Lord, that we're called according to your purpose. Sons and daughters of God, knowing our position in the body. We thank you for an end-time message that positionally places us in our position for this hour. Father, so we ask tonight that you'll just come, Lord. I ask that you'd come and be the speaker. Father, I've done my part to study, Lord, throughout the week, making preparations for the service tonight. And Lord, I'm just here to yield myself a vessel as an instrument of righteousness that you can speak through. Father, not only speak through this vessel, but I ask that you'd anoint the ears of the hearer tonight. God, that we can both be in one accord, that of the giving and that of the receiving of the word tonight. So we just commit this service, Lord, to you now. We ask that you receive all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. Lord, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, it is great to be here. I mean, how many are looking forward to our meetings next week? Amen. I tell you, I'm under great expectation was texting Brother Ron earlier this evening. He said, it's going to be epic. I'm like, man, that's my expectation. So the word for these meetings are epic. So we want an epic outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, Brother Joe, that's not who I am. Well, you let that epic outpouring fall on you, and you may do something you didn't think you would do. So I say, Lord, that's where I'm at tonight. I'm, I'm looking for a great outpouring of the Spirit of God. And so whatever we have need of, I believe he's here to minister to our needs. We'll look here, uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 8. I know Brother Timothy has done an outstanding job on his uh, sermons that he's been preaching on Jesus Christ the same. So I want to speak to you tonight on God Does Impossible Math, part 10. Jesus Christ the same today, part 2. But I want to give it a subtitle, What Are You Going to Do? So I know that's a long title and it's saying a lot, God Does Impossible. May we never forget that God does the impossible but that God does the impossible through you. And nothing is impossible for them that believe. But also we must realize that Jesus Christ is the same today. And then I want our focus to be on what are you going to do? So we read here in Hebrews 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. I'm also going to look at another, another scripture reading here in Luke 4 and verse 17. It says, There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, written The Lord is upon, or the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Notice. He hath anointed me. He found his place in the scriptures. 
And the place that he found was, he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister. And he sat down and all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day. This day. 929-21. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. So we find here in Luke 14, Jesus finding the place that pertains to his ministry and his commission to preach the gospel. Then we look over in Mark 16 and verse 15. He said unto them, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we find in Luke, Jesus finds his place. He finds where he's been anointed to preach the gospel. But not only that, in Mark 16, we find that he commissions his disciples that the very same things that he did, they were to do also. And it was not just to himself. See, where he preached the gospel, he healed the brokenhearted. He preached deliverance to the captive. He gave sight to the blind. He set at liberty those that were bruised. And we find the very things that he did in the book of Acts, his disciples carried the same ministry on. They did the same things that they saw him do. So what we find is the book of Acts was a continuation, was the manifestation of Jesus Christ for their day, for that day. Every day that they got up and somebody received healing, that was Jesus Christ today. And we find here in the message or in the exposition of the seven church ages, I want you to listen to this. Brother Brown says, he says, now remember this. Christ in the true true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. So Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. So we're not being turned back to Pentecost in an effort to start over. All right? No, we're being turned back to Pentecost so that we can continue the same works, the same signs, the same wonders that was poured out in the upper room that followed down through the, 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 the disciples is the very same things that this end time bride is being turned back to. We're being turned back to Pentecost so we can continue the book of Acts ministry. So the same things that they did, we are to do as well. Inside man, he says, we are his hands on earth. We are his eyes on earth. We are his gospel on earth. And the gospel is not altogether by the word. He said, the word made manifest is the gospel. Now, I I just started my timer, so y'all got 10 minutes free. But he said, the word made manifest is the gospel. So each of us, we find through the, through the scriptures and through the quotes that we have been commissioned to preach the gospel. 
Well, you say, Brother Joe, I'm a female. Well, I'm not talking about in that aspect. Some of you may never be called to stand behind this pulpit and take a thought and declare it to the people. But that doesn't mean that you're not called to preach the gospel. Your life is called to manifest this book. Your life is called to manifest the end time message. Your life is the only book that some people will ever read. And your life is preaching the gospel. Your life is manifesting what is in the word of God. Your life is bringing forth every promise of God. Your life is declaring that he's the same today as he was yesterday. Your life does that. By your faith to take God and his word and to manifest what he says and let this word do what it said it will do. So we find by allowing the word to produce in you what it says that it will do is the gospel. And we're going to go dig into this a little bit more tonight. Don't worry, I'm not a teacher. You don't have to get scared. Brother Joe's a little bit slow tonight. He's teaching. No, don't worry. But we find in the body of believers, there's healing. All right? In the body of believers, there's discernment. In the body of believers, there's deliverance to those that have been bound captive. In the body of believers, there is liberty to those that have been bruised. Maybe you have a past, but in the body of believers, there's liberty from your past. There's liberty from your failures. There's liberty from your mistakes. In the body of believers, there is liberty for the sons and daughters of God. See, what the Word did in Christ or what Christ manifested in the Alpha Church is to manifest in the Omega Church so that proves that He is the same today just as He was yesterday. So Christ doesn't change. How happy can we be tonight? We don't have to wonder. We don't have to go and guess. What will he do? How will he respond? What is God going to do? You can comb through the pages of this Bible and you can find exactly what is expected of you in this hour. Come on, church. And he says in possessing of the enemy's gates, listen what the prophet God will tell us. 1959, he says, in the church of the living God this morning lays the power to heal all sickness. He didn't say in a prophet. He said in the church of the living God. He didn't say in Brother Aaron or Brother Tim or Brother Donnie or Brother Ron, Brother Timothy, Brother Joe, whoever your favorite preacher is. He says in the church of the living God. That's you tonight, church. You're the church of the living God. In the church of the living God this morning lays the power to heal all sickness. In the church of the living God lays power to overcome all temptation. You hear that, young men? You hear that tonight when pornography is trying to grip your life? In the church of the living God this morning lays the power to overcome every temptation. In the possession of the church of the living God this morning lays the power to change sin. Oh, I like how he put that. To change sin. Where sin once had a chain around you, there came an anointing and it broke that yoke off of you. And now in the church of the living God this morning is a power to change sin and throw it away. Notice the power to change sin and throw it away and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the church of Jesus Christ. In the church of Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he says, whatsoever you desire. Whatsoever you desire, ask in my name and it shall be given to you. 
Remember, our focus tonight is what are you going to do? What are you going to do? See, he says now, he goes on to say in this message, possessing of the enemy's gates, he says, I will verify myself that I am with you for these signs shall follow them that believe. Mark 16 and verse 15, and he said unto them, go you into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And notice verse 17, verse 17 here, and these signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Keep going on. He says, and they shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and he sat down on the right hand of God and noticed, and they went forth. They went forth and preached everywhere. Their life manifested the gospel everywhere they went. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Oh, I love this. I love this. Well, Brother Joe, you're just an emotional type. Well, I'm sorry. I love this. There's going to be signs following the true believer. There's signs to follow the true believer. So let me just tell you, spoiler alert, if your message or your ministry or your church don't have any signs following, I wonder if that's a true ministry there. I wonder where the Holy Ghost is because the scripture says that these signs shall follow the believer. There's going to be healing. There's going to be deliverance. There's going to be casting out of them. There's going to be speaking in tongues. There's going to be a Holy Ghost anointing on the people. There's going to be some emotion. Yes, sir. These signs shall follow the believer. Notice, and he says now, preach the gospel unto all the world, and these signs shall follow them unto all the world. Everywhere this, note he says, everywhere this same sign, the same gospel will be preached. He says, we passed out tracts all around the world, but the gospel hasn't been preached to one-third of it yet. The gospel is not just the word only, But it's the word made manifest. See, the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit bringing the word to pass. Then there's great lectures. They can stand up here and they can preach. They can read. They got a human mind. They can pull scriptures together. They can take a concordance and tie this scripture to that scripture and look at the history and say it means this and it means that. But that's not what we're asking. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a Holy Ghost anointing that when that word goes forth, it does something to the hearer. It it sparks a faith inside that heart that I can be healed, that I am healed. I don't have to stay bound. I am delivered. It preaches, look, liberty to those that were captive. It breaks every yoke of sin and unbelief. That's what preaching the gospel does for the believer. Not standing up here and saying, now I need you to turn to this scripture here. And, and you, know, you can just listen to a big lecture and my, all his intellect and everything. And you think, oh, wow. How fascinating. He's so intelligent. But if his ministry is not producing signs and wonders, it's not of God. Sorry. 
See, the gospel is not just a word only, but it's the word made manifest. It's the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit bringing the word to pass. And the message is, why am I praying for the sick? He says, but after all, the passing out of tracts is not preaching the gospel. The gospel came not in word only. Paul would say, but through the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost, not just teach the word, but preach, make the word manifest. That's what we want tonight. You don't want Brother Timothy and Brother Aaron, Brother Tim, myself to stand up here and just preach to you some intellectual gospel. That we just go through our 30, 45 minutes, some of us two hours of letting you hear this scripture and this quote. And we just tie it all in and you leave out of here and you're like, well, I didn't get anything out of that. But it was so pretty and it seemed to be put together so well. And we grade the sermon based on all these key points and it does nothing for the inside. Let me tell you, I don't care if that man knows how to say his ABCs, but the Holy Ghost can come behind it and signs and wonders vindicated and the sick are healed and those that are bound are set free. That's the kind of gospel I want. I don't care if he's an intelligent man as long as he's got the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is manifest and making that word come to back. That's what we want at Evening Light Tabernacle. That's what we desire in our home. We want the gospel preached. Signs and wonders manifesting in young people. Where sin had a hole, sin had to give way because the Holy Ghost broke the yoke of sin off their lives. Oh, hallelujah. Notice now the word itself, excuse me, is dead until it becomes into action. This is in the India trip report. He said the word itself is dead until it becomes in action and produces life. But I got the Bible. But this is no good to you unless it's living through you. Do you hear me? This is no, but men lost their life because they manifested what was on the pages of this book. You can take this book and throw it in a fire and go down to the store and buy the same exact copy. But you take this book and put it on the heart on somebody who's on fire. You can't burn it out of them. No, they'll give their life at the stake. They'll die for this. Because why? Because it's not just pages or words on the pages of a, of a book. It's a life that's being lived. It's a life that's being manifest. It's Christ in word form becoming Christ in flesh form. It's no longer on the pages of a book. It's no longer in the page of history book. Now it's become a living God and a living people. The word being made manifest unto an end time people. Notice now, he would say the word itself is dead until it becomes in action and produces life. So the word must be made alive. I ask you, where is it going to be made alive tonight? It can't live on the pages of this book because this book has no heartbeat. This book has no life of its own. It can't live in the past. And we hear stories of what this one did and that one did. Those stories do you no good. The only way that this book can be made alive or this word that can be made alive is for this word to come inside of that flesh and that flesh and that flesh and that flesh and manifest what this word declares that it will do what it says it will do. He says now in the faith and action, he says, what good, is going to, what good is it going to do you to read of a historical God if he isn't the same God today? 
What good is it going to read about old George Washington if he's dead and gone? It's just a history fact. But Jesus raised from the dead, and he's the same today. He says, now what good is it going to do to paint a fire to a freezing man? He's there shivering. And we don't get very hard cold. So you from uh, Canada, you guys that just moved down here from the frozen north, don't worry, you're not going to freeze down here. It's not going to get cold enough. But you take a man up there, and the snow's about six foot deep, and you walk outside, and it's 40 degrees below zero, and you show him this beautiful picture of a fire. That man don't want the picture. He wants the fire. And that's what I'm telling you tonight. We don't want just lectures. We don't want just people standing behind the pulpit and can say this and say that. We want the fire of the power of the living God manifest. That's what's going to warm this bride. It ain't going to be some story of yesterday, but it's going to be Jesus Christ today doing the very same thing in which he did yesterday. He says, now show him a picture of a nice, big, warm fire, and that man's freezing. That's some, something that was. He said, that's what people are trying to keep you alive by today. And I'm afraid that's what a lot of preachers are trying to keep us alive by today, their, their constituents. is a God of 40 years ago. What he did 40 years ago. What about him today? What about him today? I'm thankful for a God that moved 40, 50, 60 years ago. But I need a God today. I need the same signs. I need the same wonders. I need the same power deliverance. I need the same manifestation today. Your kids need the same manifestation today. We can't just rely on a God of 40 and 50 years ago. We need a personal God. But I want you to know, he's the same today. He's the same God today. He wasn't just in William Branham. He wasn't just in all these other men that was in the healing movement. But he's in you this evening. He's in your heart. He's in your home. He's in your life. What is he doing, Brother Joe? He's bringing forth the word. He's manifesting the gospel. Notice. I'm afraid a lot of so-called message preachers have, have failed to present the right thing. Brother Branham would tell us this. He goes, that's what's... The people are trying to keep you alive. By no wonder we got a failure in America of religion. No wonder the magazine says the spiritual on go is a bust. It's because they have failed to represent the right thing to them. They're trying to teach them of a historical God. And we find many people, all this message is to them is God sent a prophet. God sent a prophet. God sent a prophet. God sent a prophet. God sent a prophet, but who did he send that prophet to? Let's move past God sending a prophet and realize God sent a prophet, yes, but who did he send him to? What purpose did he send him for? We're going to get into that. I'm glad you're asking all these great intuitive questions tonight. So they can point you to a God 40, 50 years ago, but we can't get warm by a painted fire church. Oh, it, it does your heart good to hear the tapes and listen to them, and it serves your faith. But what if he's not the same God today? And all he is is a God of history, a God of yesterday. When you put on a 1962 or 63, because some people like it after the seal. So let's go 63, March around 16, 17, and we'll say everything past that point to 65 is all inspired by God. How shameful are we have gotten when we've taken it and narrowed it down and nitpicked it like that? Either he was a prophet or he wasn't a prophet. 
Either he was called of God or he wasn't called of God. But yet they want to say, this is what we are. This is my painted fire. Let me tell you, I don't want a painted fire. I want the God of William Branham manifesting in Evening Light Tabernacle. I want the God of William Branham manifesting in Timothy Pruitt, in Aaron Oglesby, in Tim Pruitt, in Joe Adams, in your life, in my life, in others' life. I want that same God on display. I don't want him in history. I want to call that God tonight up out of history and said, be my God. Be my deliverer. Be my healer. Be my burden bearer. Be the one that takes me on to the rapture of the church. That's what I'm looking for. We want a living God, not some historical artifact. A living God. A God who still heals, saves, sets free. He says, but what we need today is a God resurrected from the dead and on the right hand now to do whatever he promised he would do to confirm his word. And, catch this, and we need delegates out there in the audience who's willing to rest their soul on any word that God said and put it in action. Oh, my. You mean it's more than just the preachers? We need delegates. Let me just put it to you like he would say if he was here. We need even like Tabernacle, the church members. From the very front to the very back. We need each of you here that is willing to rest your soul on any word that God said and put it into action. So let me tell you, it's time we quit talking about it. It's time we quit saying, oh, I wish I could or I wish I did. It's time that you put this word into action. He says, what we need today, that's what we need is men and women who stand up to the forefront there and call the devil a liar. Call the devil a liar. Say, Jesus Christ stripped you and robbed you of every right you had, and I'm in Christ Jesus, and the world belongs to me. Amen. That's right. It's time that some young people say, I'm tired of this pornography having a grip on my life, or this anxiety, or this fear, or this nervousness. I'm tired of you, old devil. You're nothing but a liar. I'm in Jesus Christ, and he's alive today, and he's manifesting through my life. That's what we need. The devil said he's going to shut up a wound, but God says, I'm the one that gives life. Come on, even like tabernacle. It's time we declare that he's alive. I'm not saying that we don't declare it, but I'm saying, look, let's just have a refresher. He is alive. He's alive today, faith in action, 1955. He said, he's alive today. He's the same Jesus. Certainly he is. If blind Bartimaeus could trust him, I can too. If the woman with the blood issue can touch him, touch his garment, I can too. See, for he's open and willing and he's begging and accepting. Whosoever will, let him come and drink. Are you thirsty tonight? Are you thirsty? Man, I've been on a desert, hot, mm, thirsty. See, this thirst won't quench, but just for a few minutes. But he can quench for a lifetime. He can quench that deep desire. So he lives today. He said, that's the way it is today. You might send your seminary boys in there, teach them all kinds of theology, all about this and that and the other. But if you're afraid to turn your faith loose, to trust God, what good does it do you? 
What good does it do you to teach them? He says, what we need is to turn loose. He says, what we need to turn loose is let your faith go into action. Now, we're about to have some special meetings. And sometimes we don't get excited, some of us, until it's our favorite preacher. Or it's a special meeting. Or we're going off somewhere and we're going to be a part of special meetings. Oh, it hit a nerve, didn't I? But he's the same God right here. He's the same God. I'm asking, what are you going to do? He's the same today. What are you going to do? Because that songwriter would, would pin that song, I can only imagine. I can only imagine when I stand before him, what am I going to do? I can tell you one thing. I can get a prelim of how I act here. I may do the very same thing over there. They may see Joe Adams run over that hill and that hill and that hill. And you know what? Spoiler alert. I'm going to be able to sing on that side. So you're going to find me not only dancing and running. I'm going to be singing and shouting and praising God. I can only imagine. I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to sit by and let some rock car in my place. I'm not going to let some tree break to my place. I'm going to declare he's a living God. He's a living manifested God in people today. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to declare Jesus Christ is the same. He's the same in principle. He's the same in power. He's the same in manifestation. He's the same in spirit. And he's here tonight. I declare to you tonight, church. I'm not preaching a God of history. I'm preaching about a present tense God. He says you need to turn. He goes, what we need to turn loose is let your faith go into action. He says, now, if Shakespeare lived in me, you would expect me to live like Shakespeare, to write poems and plays and things of that nature. If Beethoven lived in you, you would be a great composer. That Beethoven was, because Beethoven lives in you. You're not yourself now. You're Beethoven or you're Shakespeare. But he said, then, if Christ lives in you, young people, check up. Sometimes you think you get something and you don't have what you think you have. But if the Holy Spirit truly lives in you, then the life of Christ, he says, that's just the way. He lives in you, but you can't live in there with him. He's got to live in you. See the difference? You can't just live in him, but he's got to come and live in you. And when he lives in you, he's going to manifest his word through you. Then the things that you used to look at, you look at no more. The things that you used to fear, fear's been broken off of you. Because now the one who gives you overcoming power is no longer out there. He's inside of here. And now fear that once had you bound here is no longer there. Because there's a power here to break every yoke. Because he's not a dead God. And he's not just a letter. He's a living God. Notice Mark 24 and verse 14. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel. Clue on these key words tonight. The gospel of the kingdom shall be manifested. The word shall be made alive. Not just in Louisiana. Not just in Tennessee, not just in Virginia, Ohio, but into all the world. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached, manifested, demonstrated, 
declare him to be the same. So in the message, Missionary Talk, 1958, Brother Bram says, now, what is the gospel? The word gospel means good news. He said, the good news is the Bible, but the Bible is the letter, and the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So the only way that the gospel could be preached in would be to manifest the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, y'all following me tonight? He says, so then, watch the next equation. He said, and as a conjunction, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Not these signs may follow them. Not these signs ought to follow them. But they shall follow them that believe. He says, then strictly speaking, 1958, March the 30th. So the critics can go back to this, because this is not Brother Joseph, this is a prophet of God. He said, then strictly speaking, a man cannot qualify himself as a believer until this has happened. Until what? The signs follow the believer. So we can't qualify that we are a believer until signs and wonders are followed. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to be supernatural. No, but you're going to manifest this word. You're going to believe this word. You're not going to live a life that's hypocritical to the word of God. Your life is going to manifest all the promises of God. You're not going to claim that you're this, that, and the other, and you got some old crabby spirit. Are you some negative Nancy or some Debbie Downer? And I'll give you a few other names if y'all want them. But no, the gospel is joy, unspeakable. Let me just tell you a story. Can I tell you all a story? Yeah, I can tell you a story. I'm the preacher tonight, so I got the floor for 49 more minutes. So I have a job. I'm a CFO of the hospital, right? Everybody knows that for the most part. Very stressful job, especially when you ain't got no money to work with. It's a highly stressful job. And so my wife and I were contemplating, what am I going to do? Do I need to quit? Do I need to walk away? I got a stump grinder. I can go make money doing that. I'll have to beat the streets. Well, beat the, beat the stumps. And so we're praying. She's like, you just quit. I don't care. Something's got to change because you got to come home happy because you all fouled up all the time. Because I was stressed out. How many of you ever been stressed out? I'm just being personal. Can I be personal? Because some of y'all, y'all need me to be personal because like, you got a frown on your face. So let me just be personal. So here I am. I come home every day. My kids don't want to be around me because I'm old crappy Joe. Yes. <laughs> and that was a little emphatic amen there, buddy. <laughs> Well, the truth hurts, right? My wife would have said, you did that for her. Yeah. So I come home almost like every day for months, and I just begin to say, Lord, something's got to change. Well, I woke up one morning in my devotion, and I began to pray. I said, God, if you want me to stay at this hospital, I've been there 23 years. If you want me to remain at this hospital, that I can make a difference in this hospital, help this hospital turn the corner and be there to provide health care for our community and places where my family members, my church members can come and receive good patient care, then you've got to take the stress away from me. I begin to pray directly, specifically. You say, Brother Joe, what are you going to do? I had the promise. I had the word of God. Ask what you will and it'll be given. And I sat back and I was expecting God to do it all. And I begin to say, God, if you want me there, you got to take this away. Let me move beyond the realm of stress. And so I was down, my sister Jessica and I were preaching for Brother Danny Steeman a couple months back. And as I was preaching, at the end, I was bringing it to a close. Uh, and I said something in the end of that service, and I said, 
that job situation that has you stressed out for so long and you can't get along with your family, today is its last day. And when I said that, I promise y'all the Spirit of God hit me and me and Jessica connected eyes and it left. It left. Hear me, church. It left. So much so that just about three weeks ago, I got a text from one of our senior leaders. She said, are you okay? I said, yeah, why you ask? Because you've sure been acting different lately. I'm like, well, what do you mean? She says, well, you just kind of seem like you're checked out. So I begin to tell the story. I'm not checked out. I just ain't got no more stress. And then I had one of my direct reports call me on the phone. I took off a Thursday a couple weeks ago because Brother J.J. Salinas and his wife was here, and I wanted to spend a day with him, and I was taking off. She called me. She says, you ain't going job hunting, are you? <laughs> I'm like, no, why you ask? She goes, because you've been acting so different lately. She's like, you just seem to be happy and like you ain't worried about nothing. Do you got another job somewhere? And I begin to tell her the story. She says, I got goosebumps. So that just makes me feel so good. So what am I telling you? I'm saying we want God to do it, but God was waiting on me to ask. He wanted me to ask because the gospel is not just signs and wonders, but it's the things that you have need of. God's able, God's willing to take care of those needs. If it's a job situation, he's still Jehovah Jireh. He still provides. And now today, I ain't got no cash in the bank, and I still got a smile on my face. I said, I don't know how we're going to do it, but bless God, if he can break two fishes and five loaves and feed 5,000, he's still God for even like tabernacle. He still can feed my family. He still can provide for my family. He's still able. I'm going to tell you tonight, he's still God, and he does the impossibilities. You got a need tonight. He's a need supplying God. Oh, hallelujah. He's a need supplying God. And nothing, hear me, church. Nothing is impossible if you can take God at his word. Oh, yes. These signs shall follow them. They can go in on the hospital morning, no cash in the bank, $12 million in debt, and say, all right, I'm glad to be here. Oh, yeah. My corporate office may not like that, but whatever. We got the wrong man in the job. <laughs> I said, well, you can find somebody better, please. Come on. I don't think there's anybody better right now. God put me there. So we find. I heard Brother Ron speak this. If y'all listen to his third part of his series that he just finished, he says, now, these men who don't want Archer Calls, these men who don't want prayer lines, these men who don't want any emotion in the church, no speaking in tongues, these men don't have the Holy Ghost. See, if you don't believe, I like how you said this, if you don't believe in the product, then you can't sell it. So if you don't believe in the Holy Ghost, then you can't sell the Holy Ghost. If you don't believe in a little bit of emotion that the Holy Ghost brings when the power of bondage is broken off somebody's life, then you can't sell it to that congregation. 
When you don't believe that he's still the same today, you can't sell it to the people. And the people sit there, dead as midnight. But if you can sell it because you believe it, because it's manifested and it becomes a living gospel, then you can sell it to the young. You can sell it to the old. You can sell it to the sick. You can sell it to the bound. And it'll break the chains off their life. Brother Brown would tell us like this in the rising of the sun. He said, the very message of the gospel itself is to prove to the people that he is risen. Amen. To prove that he is risen. How can we prove that he is risen if there's nothing flowing from our ministries, from our lives? If there's no signs of life, how can we prove and declare, brothers, that he's risen? If there's no signs, there's no wonders, there's no tongues, there's no supernatural display of the Spirit. See, but I'm here to declare tonight, he's not dead, but he is alive. And this church has witnessed one miracle after another, one supernatural occurrence after another, one healing after another, discernment after another, because why? The gospel is being preached. It's being manifested. Brother Van would tell us the word of God made manifest is the gospel. You say, you're, you're hankering down on that one or anchoring down on that one tonight. I'm kind of like brother, brother Aaron preached to y'all this power to us this past Sunday. I'm going to preach it to you till you get it. I remember what Brother Tim said years ago when I first started. He goes, I'm going to keep re repeating and repeating and repeating because some of you will not learn unless you hear it repeated and repeated and repeated. You know, there's a difference between the word. The word is the logos, right? It's the word that was spoken, right? But what is the gospel? It's the same word, but it's in a different manifestation. The gospel is that logos now coming into action in your life, manifesting what the word says, but being lived out. That's the gospel. That's what we're to preach. We're not just to preach the word, but preach the manifestation of the word so that the sick can be healed. We can lay hands on the sick and the lame will jump up and walk. What is it when a little girl comes here bound with the spirit? You take her into another room and you've been anointed for the challenge and you walk her back across the stage a free person. Amen. That ain't the word. That's the gospel. Amen. The word declares in my name they shall cast out devils. The gospel put that word into action and now that young girl's free from that spirit. That's the word I'm preaching to you. Amen. I'm not trying to dissect and split and say they're two different. It's the same one, but it has a different manifestation. The gospel is the word living in human lives. He says, now the word made manifest is the gospel. The gospel came to us not through word only, but through power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Now in the message five def definition. Five definite identifications of a true church of the living God. He said the gospel is the power of God to make the word act what it says it will do. Do you hear me, church? All right. It's the gospel is the power of God to make the word act what it says it would otherwise is putting this word off of print and putting it in the flesh and making this flesh obey the word and come subject to it and manifest exactly what's on the printed page. Yeah. 
He says, now, this is in the message, faith that was once delivered to the saints. Because when I was in, when I was, I landed in India, the Methodist bishop and many of them came out there to meet me and they said, Brother Branham, we've heard, we've heard of these things. We preach the word. We know more about theology perhaps than all you Americans put together because the Bible is an Eastern book. He goes, and that's right. He said, but we want to see someone anointed with the Holy Ghost that can make it live again. He said, that's it. We want somebody who can produce what the Bible says it will do. He says, we otherwise, we want to see the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And I believe that that's what we want here tonight. We want somebody who's anointed with the Holy Ghost to make the word act what it says it will do. Not just in the young, but in the old. In the sick. In those that are bound. Somebody that will grab hold to this word. And make it act. Make it manifest. No matter what kind of trial you're in. No matter what kind of dark situation you're in. Make this word manifest. I was reading this morning. How Daniel began to pray. And for 21 days. It seemed like God didn't answer his prayer. But then the spirit came. Or the angel came. And said I was held up by the prince of Persia. But Daniel on that first moment when you went before God and started praying, I heard you and I was coming. I want you to know, young person, I want you to know, church, he's the same God today. Your prayer hasn't gone unanswered. You hold on because in just a moment's time, that prayer is going to manifest through your life. I believe that we are a people that's been anointed with the Holy Ghost to make this word live. Notice the prophet of God said the gospel will take effect on anything that you preach. He goes, I've seen it baffle a bull. Amen. I've seen it cause hornets not to sting. Now, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to move on. We know what bulls do. We know how tough they are and how rambunctious they are and how powerful they are. But the gospel preached to a bull, make it turn around and go back and lay down. You ever been stung by a hornet? It ain't fun. Don't go picking a fight with a hornet. You're going to lose every time. But when you preach the gospel to the hornet, it flies right on. Wave at you with his little wings. Seeing the gospel will take an effect. He goes, I've seen it raise up a possum. Been laying dead all night. He said, every creature. Jesus preached to a tree. And some of y'all look like trees tonight. You're just standing there or sitting there just kind of stuck and stiff. And it's Wednesday night. I get it. It's been a long day for most of us. But he preached the gospel to the tree, and the tree obeyed the gospel. He says, so we can preach. And he says now in John 14 and verse 19, Yet a little while the world seeth me no more, but you shall see me. Because I live, you shall live also. He goes, at that day you shall know that I am in the Father, ye in me, and I in you. And in the message of Jehovah Jireh, the prophet of God will tell us, My contentions is this, is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says so. Jesus, when he was here on earth, he claimed that he was going to turn back to the Father again in the form of the spirit but when he come in the form of the Holy Ghost he would abide with us forever and the very same works that he did he would do through the church until he come again what are you going to do how are you going to act what are you going to display is your life going to manifest the gospel he says a little while the world the church world worldly minded not seed 
church members and so forth will not see me. He said, did the church members actually see him in that day? He said, no, sir. They'd never seen him in the light of who he was. they seen the corporal body because they had a sense of sight, those who could see. He said, they saw him, him in light of his human being, but they didn't see him in light of the Son of God. Because they said he was a devil, he was a mind reader, he was a Beelzebub, chief of the fortune tellers. But there were some people then who believed him. And he said they were called the common people. Say, hey, common folks. The Bible says, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For many prophets and sages have longed to hear this message. And to see this manifestation of all those mysteries now being unfolded, tied together, all the loose ends on display. Don't you see the seat that you occupy is a special seat for a special class of people. Not everybody can take your seat. It's a special group, church. As Brother Tim put it a few services ago, it's for a prophetic class of people. He may have drug in here all beat down. Just realize you're a prophetic class of people. Prophetic class of people. See, the world can't see him. The church systems don't see him. What they see is a God of two, or a man of 2,000 years ago that did some great things, but they fail to see him in the form in which he's in today. And I'm afraid many message preachers in churches fail to see the form that he's in today. Let me just kind of go forward here because I know I don't have much time left, but I want to get to some highlights here. Brother Brown says, now don't you see the authority of the living God living in the church, the bride? The sick are healed. Not in a prophet, in the bride. I'm not trying to take your attention off of a prophet. Don't, please don't think that. But I want our thinking to be on, we have a ministry. We have a purpose. We have a calling, and that's to make this word manifest the gospel. He says, now, don't you see the authority of the living God in the living church to bride? The sick are healed. The dead are raised. The cripples walk. The blind see. The gospel goes forth in its power for the message and the messenger are the same. The word is in the church, in the person. There it is right there. There's the church. There's the word. It's in the person manifesting and the sick are healed. And the dead are raised. Those who were dead in sins and trespasses raised to the newness of life. Notice now when Elijah, when Elijah said it wasn't going to rain, that was God speaking through Elijah. When Joshua stopped the sun and said, son, you stand still, that was God manifesting through Joshua. And when you have a need and you speak it, that's not you and your human need. That's God, the gospel manifesting through you for that need. Now, here's what I want you to clench down on. Can I go? I'm, I'm going to go a few more minutes. I'm not going to say it again because I was told last time, Joe, Daddy, Papa, Brother Joe, you closed five times before you finally closed. Well, five is a number of whatever, man, grace. It's one of them. It's a number. I'm not going to say it again. We're going to end on three because three is perfection. So we find here, 1962, the spoken word is the original seed. Y'all want to hear this quote? Come on, give me a hearty amen. All right, that's good. He says, my mission, this is the prophet of God, my mission, I believe, to the earth is what is to forerun the coming word. See, the coming word, which is Christ. Christ. 
And Christ in him has the millennium and has everything right there because he is the word. But he says, my mission, I believe, to the earth is to what? Is to forerun the coming word. Now we find John the Baptist foreran the first coming of the word Jesus Christ in, in groom form. And yet the prophet of God is forerunning the coming word again. But now it's not in groom form. It's in bride form. So what was the prophet sent for? He was sent to forerun your coming. So that that same word would manifest in Laodicea. It would raise the people up above the darkness of Laodicea. And they would live above sin. He's forerunning our coming. Christ in bride form. Oh, if it's Christ in bride form, then why are we all in our wowsy, wowsy woos? Recognize this day, this scripture is fulfilled. I've been anointed, Brother Joe, to preach the gospel, to declare it in the school, declare it on the job, declare it when I go to Walmart, declare it to this unregenerated generation. I'm declaring that the gospel lives. Jesus Christ is the same, and I'm his representative. I'm an ambassador. I've been called by the Lamb of God to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and ain't no devil in hell can stop God's purpose for my life. What am I telling you, church? You got something to do. You got to manifest this word. He's foreran your coming. He's preached the message. And what a great message we got. We cannot separate the message from the messenger. And the prophet of God will tell us, you become the word as you receive the word. And the more that we receive this message and receive this word, the more we become Christ-like because Christ is the message. It's not Brother Branham's idea, but it's Christ. It's his mind. So he says, now, we didn't come to talk about the message. We didn't come to, he says, we are come to, together to get in the message. That's the message of Christ, and he is the word. He goes, I challenge you to believe that Jesus Christ is revealed in the form of the Son of Man in human flesh through the bride's body. I challenge you to believe, notice, that Jesus Christ is revealed in the form of the Son of Man in human flesh. But Brother Joe, I got up this morning, I didn't feel saved. I challenge you to believe that Jesus Christ is revealed in your human failures. He's revealed in you. He, the perfect word, is being revealed in your fallen humanity. What a God we serve. He looked beyond your inconsistencies. He looked beyond your failures. He looked beyond your crabbiness and your ups and your downs. And he says, I'm going to manifest through that vessel. I'm going to come. I'm going to tabernacle. I'm going to dwell. Not only that, I'm going to manifest what my word declares through that life. I'm going to have young people that's going to break the back of sin. I'm going to have young men who's going to break the back of sin. Going to rise and be. Some of these young men are going to be preachers one day, deacons one day. But nevertheless, they're going to be Holy Ghost filled pillars in the church. Oh, I'm talking about a gospel that's going forth. 
You know, Peter and John, they went to the gate called Beautiful, and there was a man there lame. He'd been lame for many years. And no doubt he wanted something. Give me some money. I need to buy food. My family's starving, this, that, and the other. And Peter looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Today is your lucky day because I'm giving it to you. Well, what do you got? I'd be like some of us, you got $5, $10? No, I ain't got silver and I don't have gold. But what I have is I have the healer living on the inside of me. And he said he took him by his right hand, lifted him up, and his ankle bones immediately came together. What is it? I'm talking about a gospel. Peter and John, they not only live with Jesus, they not only walk with Jesus, but they met the same Jesus that they walked with in the upper room, and they were endued with power. And when they came to that old crippled man, they didn't have silver, they didn't have gold, they didn't have a fancy car, but they had the Holy Ghost on the inside, and that Holy Ghost had a power to raise a, a lame man up. And the Bible says that he rose to his feet, leaping and praising God. What about an evening like Tabernacle? You've been lame too long. It's time that we rise up and immediately receive strength to bring forth. We serve a living God. They knew that they had been with Jesus. They acted like Jesus. They preached like Jesus. They talked like Jesus. Oh, my, when's the last time you've been mistaken for Jesus? Don't answer that. You'll be disappointed. See? Oh, my. But Paul would tell us, for our gospel, our gospel came not to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. See, we have Paul's gospel. We're preaching Paul's gospel. We're living Paul's gospel. We're manifesting Paul's gospel. And we find, what is that gospel going to do? That gospel is to bring forth life. Not lectures, not pulpit clowns, but life. 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 Because this word is life. And we find that word, the word there means mechanics. And he said the gospel came in power, dynamics, dunamis, the power to bring forth miracles. So otherwise, it's the gospel in action. Paul's gospel had power, dunamis, it was a gospel. It was an action. It produced. It healed. It delivered. It set free. He says, there's power. He says, there'll be a power put in the church. And now it's coming in that the Holy Spirit will so anoint the people till they will speak the word and it'll create itself right there. He says, we haven't seen powers lights come into the church. For I know that for a fact. You say unto this mountain, be moved and not doubt in your heart, but believe what you have said shall come to pass. Then you shall have whatsoever you had said. See, the placing of the church in position where the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost comes into the church. Then he says, the critic's mouths will shut. I don't care what you say, critic. Because you don't have what I have. Because if you had what I had, you couldn't criticize what I got. And until you get a taste of what I'm drinking, you don't need to criticize. See, what the church needs today is not more word. We got the word, but we need to put the word in action. We need to let our faith loose and let the word do what it says it would do. See, they don't want no movement of the spirit to drive people to the altar. They don't want no new converts weeping their way to Calvary. Those Acts 2.38 screaming youngers. They don't want that anymore. 
We've matured in the message now, and all we need is the, the Word. The Word. The letter killeth, but it's the Spirit, the dunamis, the gospel gives life to the Word. See, if we're going to manifest Christ, then we can't be afraid to go back to Pentecost. Not Azusa, but the upper room. Because it was in the upper room where they endued power. And when they went to the markets, the power went with them. When they went to work, the power went with them. Wherever they went, they didn't leave the power in the upper room. The power went with them. It lived in them. It sustained them. Everywhere the believer went, the power was there to represent and declare what they said they had. I'm asking you tonight, church, what are you going to do? Let me end it with this quote here, and this is where I was trying to get to. He said, there's been churches, churches, brides, brides, but there has to come one. There has to come a real bride. See, Satan doesn't want you to realize that there's going to be one. And you are that one. So no matter how much mechanics prove to be right, there has, there's got to be the dynamics to make it work. Him being the groom... The bride has to come forth because it's part of him. It can only be the manifestation of the fulfilling of the revelations. See, he was the dynamics when he put his foot on the brow of the boat and said, peace be still. He was the dynamics when he stood at the grave of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. And a man who's been dead four days, skin worms was in his body, and he came walking out. He was the dynamics when he cast demons out of legion. He was the dynamics when he met a woman at the well and told her that she's had five husbands. And the one she was living with now is not her husband. And maybe told them all their names and what they liked. See, he was the same dynamics when Sister Atlanta got down and ran around the church and was delivered of cancer. Same dynamics. Jesus Christ, the same today. He was the same dynamics when Sister Candace and Brother Andrew received a touch in the womb to bring forth life. Same dynamics. Same dynamics when Brother David Dexter had a serious eye infection, but God came down and healed same dynamics that touched Drew Dexter and a young boy who never had walked. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God moved in the room and he raised up and he's not stopped walking since. Same dynamics. Not mechanics, but the dynamics. The gospel making the word manifest. See, the same dynamics that restored Mariah's hair. And it's the same dynamics that's in this church tonight. And he tells us, Matthew 21 and 22, all things, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. John 14, 12, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me and the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we've been told to ask. And I ask you tonight, what? Are you going to do? He's the same today. And here's the quote that I wanted to get to. And I promise you I'm ending on this. Brother Branham was in La Crescenta. And there was a brother there. He was a preacher and had a four-month-old baby. And this baby had cancer, throat cancer. And the doctor had performed a surgery on this baby and they split his throat. He said he had had a cut all the way around his throat trying to get the cancer out. And the cancer moved from his throat, from his jaws into his tongue. And his tongue was swollen. He says, he, he says here, he says, now, 
He goes, I went to the hospital with him to see the baby, and we walked in the room, and he's right there next to the nurse's headquarters for the little baby, just four months old. He was born with a malignant tumor in the jaws, which was swollen out approximately that far from his face like that, and just like that, and the doctors had tried to operate and create big, deep scars that cut all around his little throat, all the way around. It didn't stop. He didn't stop it. It only run into his tongue and the little jaws hanging like that and deep, big scars and his little tongue, little mouth, not over this big and his tongue probably swollen, big and swollen and pushed out about like that and turned black and he shut off the breathing from his nostrils and coming down when it swelled up on the roof of his mouth. And of course, he, it cut his breath off from him. They had to cut a hole in his throat. And a little whistle, they little little whistle-like thing they put in his throat, little tin whistle there. That's an awful situation, ain't it? Yeah. Imagine if this was your baby. Yeah. Four-month-old, malignant tumors, cut all in his jaw, swollen out, tongue swollen out. Had to give him a tracheotomy because he couldn't breathe. He said his little arms were in splints. Now they had his arms in splints so he wouldn't pull the tracheotomy out of his throat. Said he couldn't reach. He said so they had his arms in splint like this so that he couldn't reach and pull the whistle out. He would choke and the cancer draining. A nurse had to stand there with something to pull the drainage of the cancer out of the whistle or it would choke the little child. And the father walked around to the bedside. He says, Ricky, daddy's little boy. And he said, daddy brought brother Brandon to pray for you, Ricky. And he says, when he said daddy's little boy, my spirit just left me. And I thought, I couldn't stand it any longer. I just had to hold to the side of the bed. Daddy's little boy. He goes, I just couldn't speak. You know, I just kind of felt full and I just couldn't say anything. And he goes, I looked down. I seen the little bitty hands out underneath the big splints and making a wheezing noise. And I thought, isn't that pitiful? And after I kind of got around to myself enough to think, I thought, Jesus, do you mean that you get pleasure out of seeing that? I can't believe it. I just can't believe that you get glory out of the little baby suffering like that. It just can't be. If it makes me a sinner feel like that, that I do about that baby, what ought it do to you as the all resource of mercy? What must it do to you? Now notice, here's a prophet of God. He has stood before many a people and pronounced healing. But yet now he has seen this little child in this situation. And notice he's awestruck. He doesn't know what to do. And he goes, and the nurse was standing there and I looked down at the little fellow and I thought, Lord, what would you do if you were standing here? And now I realize that I'm in the pulpit and I realize that God is present. But it seemed to me that something spoke down to my soul and said, I'm waiting to see what you're going to do about it. Mm. Your situation, your trial, your sickness, your dilemma. God, what are you going to do about my situation? I've given you the word. I've declared that you are the word. You're the bride of Christ. You're Christ in bride form. And now you are presented with the authority of the gospel to make that word live. And here was God's representative. His mouthpiece on earth. And he looked down and he said, Lord, what are you going to do about it? And he said, the Lord spoke to him, dropped down on his toes. He goes, I'm waiting to see what you're going to do about it. I gave my authority to the church. There you come back again to say to this mountain, I gave my authority to the church. And I'm waiting to see what you're going to do. 
I wonder, he says now, I wonder if that's the attitude towards us all the time, that he's waiting to see what we're going to do. What about the signs of the time that we're just preaching about? What would he do? He's waiting to see what we're going to do. He says now, he goes, well, I got that little baby in my hand. I just put his little fingers like this, and it was so little. And I said, Lord, hear the prayer of your servant. And by faith that I believe that you are, I place between this demon of cancer and this baby's life the blood of Jesus Christ. Between the killer and the baby, the blood, and by faith I placed that, and I couldn't say nothing else. I just turned around and started walking out. He didn't have some big elaborate prayer. He didn't scream to the top of his lungs. Some of y'all probably wish I wouldn't as well, but we all have different ministries. But here he just prays a simple, what seems to be a simple prayer. But I believe he entered into the suffering of that little child. Father, if it makes me a sinner feel the way I feel about this and how this demon has attacked this little child, what about you? And the Spirit of the Lord says, what are you going to do about it? And what did he do? He put between that baby and that cancer the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, I went on to the house, and in a matter of a few hours, in another sermon, he says, two hours, them jaws went down, its tongue went back to a normal place, and God healed that little fella, and they was removing the whistle the next morning, and he went home. What did he do? He preached the gospel. He preached the gospel in a prayer. In a prayer. And many times, musicians, you can come. Many times we're waiting on God to move. Some of you came to the service tonight waiting and expecting God to move. To see what God's going to do. How is God going to respond? And maybe you're waiting till next weekend. When we have such great ministry lined up, Brother Wayne and Brother Donnie and Brother Ron. Maybe you're waiting because your your nature gravitates to their ministry and you like that. And that's fine. But I'm asking you, what are you going to do tonight? You come tonight and maybe you got a nervous spirit that seems to keep hanging around, refuses to leave. And you're waiting for God to do something. Maybe you came and you've been tormented by fear, maybe anxiety, maybe it's guilt of your past, and you're waiting on God to move, to deliver. Maybe you have health issues, and it just kind of seems to keep lingering and lingering, and you've been wanting to be healed, and you're expecting God, and you're saying, well, maybe if I come to service tonight, it's going to be my service. God's going to do something. But I want you to know God's here tonight. And he's asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? He's given you his spirit. He's given you the authority to act in his name. He's given you his word of promise. He said, whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. That tells me that he's ready to back up anything you have need of. He's ready to bankrupt heaven before one promise of God falls to the ground. Do you not know that we are the final voice to the final age? If we are that final voice, then we got to give voice to the promise of God. We got to give voice to healing. We got to give voice to deliverance. We got to give voice to the promises of God to make this gospel manifest what it declares that it will do. We got to give voice, church. We are His hands. We're His eyes. We're His gospel. And the gospel is going to be preached. 
Just play whatever you'd like to play. I was at Brother Matt Morris's several weeks ago, and there was a young boy they brought up for prayer. This little boy was diagnosed with lupus. He's probably eight or nine years old. The doctors just diagnosed him with lupus, and they brought the young man up for prayer and said, Brother Joe, we've got to go to Memphis here in a few weeks and see out what the course of the treatment's going to be. How do we go from here? How does our life change and alter, and what do we got to do? Because I guess there's really no cure for lupus. You know, it's just a disease that stays with them. So they brought this little boy up, and I preached the first part of this message that Jesus Christ is the same today. Sirs, we are seeing Jesus. And I took that little boy in my arms and I prayed and I said, God, when he goes for this doctor's visit, it is my prayer through the anointing of your spirit that the doctors don't find one single trace of lupus. And we said, that's a bold statement. He's done being diagnosed. I serve a big God. Two weeks ago, this child's father called me and he called me a couple times. I didn't know the number. And I'm like, man, who is this calling me? So he sends me a text. Brother Joe, this is so-and-so. Just wanted you to know. I want to tell you the story. I brought my son up for prayer. So I called him back. And he began to tell me, I brought my son up for prayer. He's the one that has lupus. We just went to Memphis and we just came back. And I want you to know, Brother Joe, that doctors didn't find one trace of lupus. They didn't find one trace of lupus. It wasn't Brother Joe. But it's Jesus Christ the same today. And I ask you, what could I do? I could have sent him back to his seat. But I prayed the prayer of faith. I believed in a living God. And it looked impossible. But the God that we serve is a God of impossibility. And if that devil tries to put something on you, I serve a God that's able to take it off of you tonight. He's the same, church. He's a living God tonight. And he's here to see what are you going to do about this gospel. Are you going to make this word live? Are you going to make this gospel manifest? I say yes, Lord. I want to manifest this gospel. I want to manifest this word. Let it bring healing to my body. Let it bring deliverance to my home. Let it bring mending to my family. Lord, let this gospel live. Let it live tonight, Father. Let it manifest in the young. Let it manifest in the old. Let it live tonight. We're not waiting for next week. We want to live tonight, God. May the word of God. May it rain tonight. May it rain tonight. He said, when that born again believer, that son of God, takes that word and places it on his lips, it's just the same as deity speaking. Oh, what are you saying? I'm saying deity's here tonight. I'm saying deity's here to manifest for your trial, for your need. He's here tonight. Whatever you have need of, he's here. He's here.